and this is the, the Demented Files. Hey everybody, it's Julie. And this is Raquel. Welcome to the Demented Files. It's hot as fuck. It's hot as fuck. Wait, Tuesday. that was kinda loud. It guys was are. kinda loud. It's it's hot as fuck. There you go. <laughs> it's it's hot as fuck. It's hot as fuck. Or like before I, I sounded like Shakira when we try to record. <laughs> hey, hey guys, it's it's Kermit Shakira here. <laughs> So apparently Shakira's choir teacher and she I just heard this. This is breaking news to me. Yeah. Told her that she'd never be famous because yeah. she sounds like a goat. Yeah. And here she is famous she is. and sounding like a goat. And a millionaire, so a millionaire goat. I, I think her uh Does teacher, that make her the goat? Yeah, I think her teacher's out there kicking rocks right now. Damn that Whatever. fucking goat yeah. goat ass bitch. Yeah, she's like, damn it. She's a gob. But. Goat ass bitch. How's everybody doing? I hope you're all doing very well. Yes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm feeling good. I don't know what the hell is going on. Let me take that back. It's Friday. I know what's going on. I don't have to work for a full 48 hours. Yeah. And then I'll be back on Monday slaving for the man again. But that's why I feel good. Okay. Because I don't have to work right now. Yeah, it was it was nice to get out today. It's like, yeah, get out. We're going to the aquarium. Exactly. That's gonna be so awesome. I'm very excited to see the animals. All of them. Yeah. the, The mammals. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have to hold your kid's hand close. Why? Because it gets busy. It's summer. Oh, yeah. We'll see what happens, how, yeah. how busy it is. But yeah. at least at least the little one, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. not the big one. But you got to keep an eye. Yeah. The little one has the attention span of a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. See? Then I know. You're going to be watching three it's of okay, us. okay. I do too. And then I'm going to be watching you too. Yeah. We're going like, to just have to we're all, all watch just each other. Watch each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's all there is to it. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm chilling. My contact's bothering me. I forgot you wear contacts. I'm blind as a bat. So. Same. Yeah. I don't even have my glass. Oh, there they are. Okay. Oh. What are you wearing contacts? No. Oh, you, I'm oh. just swinging it. Oh, okay. Can you see me? I can't see you. Oh, okay. My sight is not that bad. It's just bad enough to where I Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, so I I didn't mention to you what I'm going to be discussing today. You did not. I am not excited about this episode. Wait, wait, wait. You can't say that. Why not? You are excited about this episode. No, I'm not. I'm really not. We love doing this. No, no, no. I'm not talking about... I'm excited. I'm always excited to do the podcast. I'm not excited to discuss this... It's a hard story. Yeah, this uh, case. It's a pretty hard one. Trigger yeah. warning. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of trigger warnings. I wrote them in my notes as well, so I wouldn't forget oh, where... Oh, fuck. Really? There's, it's there's like more that? more than one. Yeah, there's more than one. God damn it. And you know what I think it is? For me, it was it was very an emotional case just because of how much abuse was, was relayed upon this poor, innocent girl. And it was just triggering, mm. you know, how people can be so damaging, so mm. evil. So it's one of those where it's just psychologically, it broke me. Damn. So... If you don't have anything else to discuss, I guess we can get into it. Yeah, let's so we get can, into uh, it. Because I have crab ragoon on the way. <laughs> yeah, let's get this. Let's get this going, so we can just eat our crab ragoon. <laughs> you know, get right through it. All right, I'm going to be talking about the torture and murder of Sylvia Likens. Sylvia Marie Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949. Oh, my birthday twin, almost. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. a January day after 2nd. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
my fellow Capricorn. Mm -hmm. She was born to Lester Cecile Likens and his wife, Elizabeth Betty Francis in Lebanon, Indiana. Her parents had five children total. The four other children were twins. So her sisters, Danielle and Diana, were born two years before Sylvia. And Benny and Jenny were born one year after Sylvia. She was definitely a middle child. Mm -hmm. Her family was not very well off. Her parents worked at carnivals in Indiana, selling sweets and drinks out of a concession cart throughout the summers. And because of this, they were never in one place for a long time and traveled a lot. Her father only had an eighth grade education and had worked blue collar jobs in factories as well. We don't really know much more about her mother like that, mm -hmm. but you know, they, they, they were, were just, just making poor. ends meet. Yeah, yeah, they were just making ends yeah. meet and had a lot of kids. Danielle and Benny, the two sons, would accompany their parents to carnivals, helping them out with their jobs. When Sylvia was 16, Diana was already married, so she had her own life separate from her parents and siblings. As for the younger girls, Sylvia and Jenny, they were usually kept out of the carnival environment due to their parents fearing for their safety, and they wanted them to focus on their education as well. Okay. Both girls usually stayed behind with their relatives, usually one of their grandmothers. From the sounds of it, Sylvia and her siblings were regular kids. Sylvia would try to earn money by babysitting, running errands. She would iron the clothes of friends and neighbors. And she was also known for sharing her earnings with her mother as well. This was usually due to Sylvia's parents having a bit of a tumultuous relationship. They were known for having a lot of periods of separation. And this led to struggles with work and some legal troubles as well. Mm. Personality-wise, she was known for being friendly and lively, loved music. Specifically, she was a fan of the Beatles. She had long brown hair and she was missing a front tooth due to an incident where she was roughhousing with her brother when they were younger. Mm -hmm. She was known by her friends as Cookie. It was known that due to Jenny having polio, causing one of her legs to be weaker and having to wear a brace, Sylvia was very protective of Jenny. July 3rd, 1965, Sylvia's mother was arrested for shoplifting. And this put her father in a tough position because they were scheduled to travel the East Coast with the carnival. Having this dilemma, he set up his daughters to board with a woman they knew in town. The Lycan girls had become acquainted with two of this woman's daughters at school. So they, they knew who they were. So There was a deal made between their father and this woman named Gertrude Banizuski to care for the girls with the understanding that he would send her $20 weekly as payment for caring for them. Their mother ended up being released and she joined their father to travel the carnival. So they went on their, their way to keep working and the girls had a place to stay, right? Mm -hmm. I would have went back for my kids. <sighs> yeah. But that's just me. I, coming from my standpoint, I'm yeah. not dealing with what they are dealing with, which is obviously a struggle. But yeah, it's a struggle. I'm just already not getting a good feeling about the boarding situation. Yeah. So Gertrude has seven kids of her own. Paula, 17, John, 12, Stephanie, 15, Marie, 11, Shirley, 10, James, 8, and Dennis, who was 18 months. She married and started having kids with a man named John Stefan Banizuski when she was 16 years old. He was 18 in 1945. He was known to have a temper and beat her, but they stayed married for 10 years before divorcing. So then she had three more marriages, one only lasting three months, again remarrying her first husband after that fail and having two more kids with him, but then divorcing again in 1963. God. The marriage was literally weeks after her third failed marriage. This was one with a 22-year-old man named Dennis Lee Wright. He was also a wife beater, but they still had a kid, Dennis Lee Wright Jr., after Dennis Jr. was born, he abandoned her anyways. So now she just That's has crazy. all these fucking kids. So by 1965, she was 36 years old and lived alone with her seven kids. Oh my she God. She was 5'6", but was super skinny and was known to look haggard. 
She only weighed about 100 pounds. She was also a chain smoker and suffered from depression due to the outcome of her life, failed marriages, and suffering a recent miscarriage. She probably had a gaping hole, too. You could probably shove a Yikes. whole fist in there. Well, you know I'm what? just saying. That's... If there's somebody to talk shit about, it's going to be this Gertrude bitch. I'm just saying. She's I mean, I would horrible. be depressed if I could fit a whole arm in my cooch, too. Yeah. I mean, after seven <laughs> kids at 35, come on, lady. Yikes. They what just, you got left? They just come out. Right. You just, you know, you're just pissing on, just pissing on command. Yeah, You want me to pee? You're pooping. Just, <laughs> it's just coming out like an avocado. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to go there. <laughs> I had to. I could not say it. Uh, okay. She lived off the sporadic checks she received from her first husband, who was now a cop in Indianapolis. These checks were her primary way of taking care of her kids. To earn a little extra cash, she also did odd jobs for neighbors and acquaintances, such as sewing and cleaning. So now we go back to the day that the Lycan girls move into this shit show of house. Like I had mentioned here before, Gertrude was going to be getting $20 a week for watching the girls as their parents went off to work for a carnival. Wait, this is sounding really familiar. Probably. They made a couple movies too, so. They moved in shortly after 4th of July in 1965. Everything was fine when the two girls first moved in. There wasn't any abuse and very little amount of discipline. They hung out with the other daughters in the house, singing songs together and sharing chores around the house. They also attended Sunday school with the rest of the household kids. Everything was normal. After a couple of weeks of consecutive payments from Lester, the payments now began arriving a little late by a couple of days. And so now we will be getting into the early stages of abuse. I will begin calling Gertrude by the name she should have been given originally. I named her Skeleton Cunt. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fitting. So, and just, yeah. just so you are aware, I did look. I watched the movie. You That's, did watch it. So I'm not good with names, but okay. faces. And I saw the faces and... She has a face you cannot forget. Like, it's just sunken in, and she mm -hmm. just has a stupid fucking mm -hmm. face. So, yes, I do know this story. It, it's bad. It's just, you know, my, my memory is shit, so. Yeah, <laughs> mine is too. <laughs> so, I'm going to call her that from now on. Fucking skeleton cunt. And you will find out why, unfortunately. Skeleton. If, if you have never heard this story before. Skeleton. I'm going to call her that because I like that better. I do. Was quite upset that the payments were running late a few days and this was unacceptable. She began beating the girls on their bare bottoms with paddles and saying shit like, Well, I took care of you two little bitches for a week for nothing. By late August, the girls were now getting regular beatings with the paddle and specifically if they did anything that upset Skeleton. I like that a lot. Like Skeletor? Yeah. But yeah. without the tour. I like that better than what I wrote. Cunt. So yeah, the girls were getting regular beatings with the paddles if, you know, they upset this bitch and her minion-ass daughters. This included shit like accusing the sisters of eating too much food at like church gatherings. Like anything was a trigger for them to abuse them. So she was just abusive. Oh yeah. As August was coming to an end, the beatings and abuse were now primarily focused on Sylvia. It was of course literally obvious why Skelecount was doing this shit. Jealousy. She was jealous of Sylvia. How beautiful and young she was compared to her raggedy ass. What she a was... gaping hole. <laughs> Fucking whore. She was also respected and this bitch saw her potential. And she was prime time jealous. The Lycan sisters attended high school regularly. And Sylvia would deal with abuse from this shitty ass family after school and on weekends. They started off by beating Sylvia and not letting her eat. Forcing her to starve. If they fed her anything, it would be leftovers or food that was spoiled in their garbage cans. What? They just wanted to point the finger at this poor girl for everything it seemed. She just had a target on her back, becoming their main source to point a finger at, to take out their frustrations on. She was even accused of stealing shit she had bought for herself, like candy. 
anything mean anything just mean. mean yeah they didn't super mean let's be real at at this point they didn't need a reason no it was gotten, just, yeah, yeah they were like this they didn't is need a reason. this yeah. is you know we're gonna it's look in the abusive. mirror and this is what we accept for ourselves right we're not we're not ashamed of what we're doing no there's no there's shame no no now, I will put the trigger warning here for this episode. Due to the extent of violence and graphic details, I will soon be spewing at poor Raquel and the rest of our audience. Please be advised the information is quite upsetting and can trigger a variety of emotions. <sighs> Personally, I have experienced abuse not as bad as what Sylvia endured, and it was very hard to read. But this story is one that I have to share. So one day, Sylvia shared that she had a boyfriend in Long Beach. She had met him while traveling and living with her family out in California. So Skelikon asked Sylvia if she had done anything with the boy. Now, think about the times. This is the 60s. Right. Relationships were so much tamer back then. Kids were more sheltered and innocent, even when it came to dating. Sylvia, not sure what to say, just replies, I guess so. She shared she had gone skating and gone to a park with some boys in California. That was her version of like doing right. something with a boy. She ended up sharing as well with her sister, Jenny and Stephanie, one of the household kids, that she had laid under the covers with a boy once. And of course, Skelikon overheard this and couldn't wait to chime in and asking Sylvia, why did you do that, Sylvia? Sylvia just shrugged and said, I don't know. She's a teenager. She's just like right. a teenager. Like, what do you mean? Right. Not doing. She Why didn't do, you do have anything. Seven kids, you fucking whore. Right. It's like don't hate me. Hypocrisy because you hate yourself. The fucking hypocrisy. Right. But this bitch wouldn't let that go easily. A couple days later, she brought it back up, saying, "You're certainly getting big in the stomach, Sylvia. It looks like you're going to have a baby." Sylvia laughed this off as a joke and just commented, "Yeah." It sure is getting big. I'm just going to have to go on a diet, you know. Yeah. Who's going to think anything's going to get... Yeah, what do you get, say to that? Yeah. It's like, you what, don't get okay. pregnant from laying under covers. No, you definitely don't. And Skelecunt, of all people, should know that. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amen to that. She couldn't wait to keep chiming in her worthless opinions and told all the girls in the house that whenever they did something with a boy, they would be sure to have a baby. She then began to kick Sylvia in the genitals. <gasps> Mm-mm. So mm-hmm. it's getting, it's progressing. Mm-hmm. Paula, who was 17 and three months pregnant, which is her fucking daughter. Well, your daughter's the whore, ma'am. <laughs> it's crazy. Like you're sitting there talking all this shit. So Paula also began to assault Sylvia as well by knocking her off a chair. And as Sylvia hit the floor, Paula yelled at her, you ain't fit to sit in, in a chair. It is said that this was due to jealousy as well. Sylvia was now in a very shitty situation, unable to tell anyone what was going on for the fear that shit would get even worse. Oh my God. As things started to escalate, the torture got more sinister. At supper, while, while the family ate, Skelecunt and Paula, her third as daughter, along with a neighborhood boy named Randy Gordon Leper, forced Sylvia to eat a hot dog that was overloaded with mustard, ketchup, and other spices. Sylvia ended up vomiting up the food and was forced to eat it all over again. Oh. She's just, they have no fucking shame. No fucking shame. Now we have to remember that Sylvia is a young 16-year-old girl. She had no outlet, no way to escape this shithole, and found the only way she thought she could retaliate by spreading a rumor that Stephanie and Paula were prostitutes, which I find fucking hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) When Stephanie found out about this rumor from a boy trying to proposition her, she was fucking livid. Once home and confronting Sylvia, and Sylvia admitting that yes, she spread that rumor, Stephanie punched her and Sylvia began to cry and apologize. Then Stephanie also began to cry. Okay, I'm sorry. Not to victim shame. Come on, Sylvia. Stand up for yourself. Somebody punches you, you punch them back. It's not always like that. People are very gentle sometimes, you know? Listen, at yeah. some point, you gotta have a breaking point. You're, they're this making wasn't you her breaking point yet. I mean, yeah. I mean, but at this point, there's that, like, syndrome, you know, where they've, they've trained... She was probably already just trained so her to be... Yeah, to be afraid. I just can't imagine... 
Right. That poor girl. Mm-mm. But as more shitty people that are part of this awful family found out about the rumor Sylvia had spread, the rumor that they were prostitutes. Yeah, her six other kids found mm-hmm. out. The assaults on her began to escalate even more. Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy Randolph Hubbard, who was 15, attacked Sylvia. So this, the 17-year-old is pregnant by a 15-year-old? No, this is Stephanie. That was Paula. Uh, Stephanie's the other teenage girl. Oh, I can't keep track of I know, there's all. a bunch of them. Oh, okay, there's okay. Just fucking seven of them. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So this is Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy. Who the fuck names their kid Coy? Anyways, he began attacking Sylvia. He slapped her, banged her head against walls. There was so much force that he even flipped her backwards onto the floor. Of course, Skellicunt had to join in and began beating Sylvia with a paddle as well. For Paula, it was becoming easier to attack Sylvia. She once beat Sylvia on her face, focusing primarily on her eyes and teeth. With such force she was hitting her that Paula broke her own wrist. Having a broken wrist did not stop this bitch either. She continued to beat Sylvia anyways. The physical abuse had now also garnered even more verbal abuse. Skellicunt would accuse Sylvia of being promiscuous and being a prostitute. She would make sure to make her feel terrible by mentioning the filthiness of prostitution and just bad-mouthing women in general. So it's like, it's always one of those. So it's like, women are gross and stuff. it's like what are you because she hates herself what though. are you yeah exactly not everyone is like you skeleton right or your daughters your, yeah your hot in the ass daughters mm-hmm. as for jenny she was seeing all this remember they began by beating both sisters in the beginning and jenny had polio too so she wasn't in any position to really intervene if anything sylvia is the one who was always watching over her Jenny was forced by Skellicunt to harm her own sister, Sylvia. She was threatened that if she didn't, she would get a beatdown as well. And she did. I saw that in the movie. That was really hard to watch. Because you could tell that she loved her sister. And in some cases, she would take the beatings for her sister. Yeah, she would. She would. Because she had the braces on her legs and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. One of the most twisted parts of this crime is how many youths were involved in the torture of this young girl. That 15-year-old douche, Stephanie's boyfriend, Coy, was a frequent visitor at the house and would also bring friends. They all came over and verbally and physically attacked Sylvia. Skellicunt always encouraged the abuse upon Sylvia. They would even use Sylvia as a literal sparring dummy as they practiced martial arts upon her. That's crazy. They also took part in cutting Sylvia, burning her with cigarettes over 100 times, and they had a thing for injuring her genitals. They just kept going at it. That's just pure evil. It's fucking evil. This part is going to be rough, so here's an extra trigger warning of sexual abuse. Skellicunt forced Sylvia to get naked in the living room in front of her and all the shitty neighborhood kids. Take a Pepsi Cola bottle and masturbate with it. Literally in front of everyone. It's just, it's fucking disgusting. Mm -hmm. Her sister was there too and Skellicunt is said to have made this a point so that Jenny would see what kind of girl Sylvia really was. She's just fucking abhorrent. Sylvia was forced to abandon school because she had confessed to stealing a gym suit. She only did this because she didn't have any money and had no way of getting clothes. No one was buying her shit. She was barely eating at this point. That's crazy that that back in the day, you could get kicked out of school for something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. At this point, Skellicunt was now beating Sylvia with a police belt and still kicking her in the genitals. The brutality had escalated so badly at this point that even her shitty daughter, Stephanie, has stepped in trying to stop her evil mother from beating Sylvia. Sylvia's fingertips were also burned off with matches and also endured further whippings. Jenny was not experiencing as much punishment as her sister, but was still beat sometimes, specifically if she stole anything as well. And she was traumatized. I mean, imagine sometimes the physical, I mean, granted, her physical punishment was terrible, but... I can't imagine sitting there and watching someone that I love be yeah. abused and mm-hmm. me not be able to help them. Like that in itself it's had to be like... She's disabled. Right. What do you fucking do? Right. Right. Horrible. So it, it's Horrible. almost like she got the same thing. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you could tell they loved each other and they stuck together. So it's like yeah. watching that. 
That's really sad. The environment was so hostile and unsafe that there was no hope in telling anyone outside the household what was happening. Plus, that bitch was constantly threatening Jenny that if she said anything to anyone, she would then start beating and torturing her at the same level as Sylvia. Jenny may have endured less punishment, but she was still experiencing a lot of bullying, threats, and beatings from the people in the house and the neighborhood. The Lycan parents visited occasionally when their schedule gave them a chance, but it was very rare. The last time they visited was on October 5th, 1965. Even in the presence of their parents, the girls were still too close to this evil family and were so scared they didn't say anything to their parents. And they couldn't see the marks? Like, there were no marks? So, from what I read, they had made them look decent. They probably stopped beating them to a point where they were bruising them so they would look healthy again or healthier and just throw off the parents, you know, because they, they weren't going to mm. they weren't going to let them in the house with knowing that the girls would have like black eyes and but shit, it sounds you like know? they weren't even really feeding them like that either. Mm-hmm. So it's skinny like... girls to begin with. So, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what was going through these parents' heads. Right. Just, to me, it just sounds like they had five kids and they were able to release some of that burden and they didn't really care, to be honest. Yikes. That's my opinion. Um, I don't know. That don't know. To me, as a parent, mm-hmm. I can't imagine not noticing. Mm-hmm. You, even if you don't look off, the vibe got to be off. You can't tell oh, me. Yeah. You can't tell that your child is like dealing with something. Like, come on. No, ain't no way. Know. You know, this is not the first time I've heard this. It, it happens all the time with, I'm not going to get in, too deep into this, but when caseworkers go to houses or investigators, they can't say anything in front of their parents. They're like, no, we're fine. We're fine. And in reality, they're not. Yeah, but the caseworkers don't know the kids to know that something's wrong. These, right. These are but- your children. You can't tell me you didn't know. It depends how much attention they pay to their kids That's what to I'm begin saying. with. They don't. I don't know. Either they do and they don't care or they don't because they don't care. I don't know. I, that's my opinion. I just think that there. I can't really see how you wouldn't notice. And this abuse is not like minimal. No. Like you're getting popped every now and then. Like you're getting abused. Yeah. Like there is a huge difference. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out too why why this like was. Like how you didn't notice. How you didn't notice. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No. Mm, I don't know. When the Lycans would leave, stupid-ass Skelecunt would literally say to Sylvia, what are you going to do now, Sylvia, now that they're gone? She's just fucking atrocious. She's a piece of fucking human filth. One of the things that didn't add up to me here was why were these girls not left with their older sister? Because she was married and lived on her own, like in the same town. Right. It is said that one time as Jenny and Sylvia were both at a park, they were also with one of Skelecunt's bastard kids, 11-year-old Marie. Their sister Diana was there. Diana gave a sandwich to Sylvia after Sylvia said she was hungry. They began confessing to her the torture they were enduring, specifically Sylvia. Even though they shared this information with their sister, they did not share the address that they were staying at, and so their sister could not locate them after this. Diana also believed her sisters were probably being overdramatic and exaggerating. So it's like, you sure? You sure? You think? Okay. Whatever. I don't know why people don't believe things until it's too fucking late. Right. That seems to be a common practice. Yeah, so I'm going to clarify. Those were two different instances. The time that they saw Diana with Marie and then a different time when when they just were alone, I guess, Okay. at the park. But anyway, so that, that instance when they were at the park with Marie and Diana gave Sylvia a sandwich, that day is the day Marie ended up telling this information to her shitty family. So Skellicunt felt she needed to accuse Sylvia of sinning of engaging in gluttony for eating a fucking sandwich. Okay. She and her shitty-ass daughter Paula began to choke and bludgeon Sylvia. Later, they made her have a scalding hot bath in order to cleanse her of sin. 
Skullicunt would grab Sylvia's hair and repeatedly bang her head against the bathtub to bring her back to consciousness after Sylvia would pass out. Due to the severe burns from the scalding bath, Sylvia's skin developed open sores and a neighborhood boy by the name Michael Monroe called the school and reported seeing a girl with open sores across her entire body living at the Banizuski's household. So the child. The kid, one of the kids in the neighborhood called the, the school. The school sent out a nurse to investigate, but of course, she was fed lies. Skelecunt made up stories saying Sylvia had ran away, that she was out of control, and didn't know where she actually was. She blamed the open source that Sylvia had on bad hygiene, lying that Sylvia refused to maintain decent personal hygiene. She spread more lies, telling the nurse that Sylvia was a bad influence on everyone around her. And so what did the school do? Nothing. Listening and taking this haggard bitch's word was good enough, apparently. You know, which is fucking typical. People that, were, that weren't participating in the assaults towards Sylvia, but still visited this hellhole, sometimes did witness the abuse towards Sylvia, but again, never reported it to anyone. Diana finally, in October, finally found out where her sisters were staying and went looking for them, hoping to be allowed to see them and keep regular contact with them. Skelecunt was rude to her and told her she was banned from seeing her sisters. Those were her parents' own rules. She was told to get off the property. Two weeks after this incident, Diana was able to make contact with Jenny out on a street near the house and ask about Sylvia. Jenny just told her, I can't tell you or I'll get in trouble, which is crazy to me. It's like, just fucking tell your sister what's going on. It really does take courage to out your abuser. It takes so much fucking courage. Mm -hmm. really does. Especially if you know that your parents don't really care about you, so they're not coming to get you. Well... Because what's the point? They didn't have they, a social system back then. You got to think they didn't about ha They didn't have that. They don't have cell phones. Right. They don't have anything like that. They probably can't reach their parents. There was nothing they could do. It was fucking hopeless. Right. Skelecon was also an instigator and in efforts to rile up the shitty kids in her house, she would tell them that Sylvia was either insulting her or them, and this would lead to them belittling and attacking Sylvia. She's so fucking psycho and knowing how weak and hopeless Sylvia must feel at this point. She was such a fucking coward. She had the nerve to go up to Sylvia one day with a knife in her hand and challenge her to a fight. Sylvia just replied that she didn't know how to fight. This bitch responded by giving Sylvia a light cut with the knife on one of her legs. What a fucking evil bitch. What evil. a punk. What a, exactly. She's a You're punk. fucking coward. Yeah. Coward. You're not going to go up to a healthy fucking no. person and do that. No. 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 Fuck out of here. The assaults on Sylvia were now so frequent and even more brutal that she became incontinent, which means she would involuntarily urinate on herself. That poor baby. She was not allowed to use the bathroom regardless and was forced to soil herself. Due to the incontinence, Sylvia was kicked down to the basement. There she was kept naked, starved, and dehydrated and tied up. They made sure even if they weren't there watching her suffer, that she was suffering. Sometimes she'd be tied to the railing of the basement stairs with her feet barely touching the ground. How long did this abuse go on for? They started living there around July 4th or like right after July 4th weekend and she died in October. So she was there for like what, four months or something. It That's was very crazy. rapid. Very, very fast. But still too, too much, too yeah. long, too yeah. long. Yeah. It's a lot of suffering. I'm sure those days felt fucking long. <laughs> I mean, you think about it, all the, everything she was enduring like mm -hmm. that. It's gotten really in bad. In such a short period of mm -hmm. time, that poor girl. Things apparently got so entertaining, I guess, that these shitty-ass people actually started charging kids in the neighborhood five cents if they wanted to see Sylvia's battered and mutilated body. This fee could also include access to humiliate, beat, scald, and even mutilate Sylvia even more. Sylvia was frequently restrained and gagged, placed in a bathtub with scalding water, and salt would be rubbed into her wounds. It even went so far as these shitty people rubbing urine and feces into Sylvia's mouth. The excrement was from one of Skelecunt's one-year-old kid. 
She would then be taunted with water, only to be given half a cup of water for the day and told this is all that she's getting. Sylvia was not allowed much peace or mercy anymore at this point. Everything had completely gone to shit. She was constantly humiliated. She was teased with food that she wasn't allowed to eat. Like, uh, there was a fucking part that I read. I didn't write it in here, but, like, they gave her, like, soup, and they were like, eat it with your fingers. They didn't even give her a spoon. Like, eat soup with your fingers. Like, it's just humiliation. Mm-hmm. It's fucking games. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. But on the bright side, shithead mother of the century was such a good person, she allowed Sylvia to start sleeping upstairs again, out of the basement. So, sarcasm. With one condition, of course, she had to learn how to not wet herself. Jenny was able to sneak Sylvia a glass of water one night after Sylvia had whispered to her, it's like, can you get me a glass of water? Mm-hmm. Imagine having to sneak a glass of water. <laughs> so that, that night, of course, she ended up peeing herself. She sold herself because she was incontinent. And so Skelecon found out, and that was it. She forced Sylvia to stick an empty Coca-Cola glass in her vagina in front of all the kids and then kicked her back down into the basement. I can't believe I am saying this shit. It is beyond anything. So it's just this fucking this fucking house is just the fucking... It's one of the worst I've ever heard. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Skelecon then forced Sylvia to return to the kitchen and told her to get naked and accused her of branding her daughters. Due to this, she told her, now I'm going to brand you. This thing began carving, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, on Sylvia's stomach with a heated needle. Did she, na- did she not expect the nuts. parents to come back? I'm just so curious, like, what she was thinking. Oh, she was- had a plan. She had a plan. And we'll get into it. It's She's just fucking vindictive as shit. This bitch was too weak or some shit. Remember, she was haggard. She was a haggard shit show and couldn't finish the branding. She passed on the task to a 14-year-old boy named Richard Hobbs. Skeleton bitch then just walked out of the house with Jenny and went to get groceries. Like, like nothing like happened. nothing just fucking happened like she you know what i look at her what what uh what number do you think she is she's six yeah she looks like so like you say like somebody yeah. can look like i don't know much yet yeah but when i saw her she looks like a six mm-hmm. you're starting to pick up a sociopath yeah <laughs> oh yeah um, uh, this of is course. Th- she's the fucking definition yeah. of fucking sociopath child, yeah um all right so this shitty kid and another one of the shitty daughters named shirley who was 10 finished the branding and etching on sylvia's abdomen and brought her back downstairs to the basement there they had an anchor bolt and heated it up in attempts to burn the letter s underneath sylvia's left breast sylvia what are you gonna do now you can't get married now what are you gonna do weeping sylvia replied i guess there's nothing i can do you just fucking gave up that's so sad this inscription in her flesh was then displayed to the neighborhood children by Skelecunt as she claimed Sylvia got it done at a sex party. Like, what are you gaining from all this? Right. This is fucking, you want to talk toxic? This is fucking toxic. The same night it seemed Sylvia knew her fate. She confessed to Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. Skelecunt obviously knew the end was near and began trying to put together a bullshit story. So this is what she was planning. She forced Sylvia to write a letter where she was confessing to running away. She was planning on framing a group of neighborhood boys with the abuse and mutilation that Sylvia had endured. She made sure to include that this happened after Sylvia had initially agreed to have sex with the boys, but after that, they attacked her. So it's always derogatory as fuck. Like, she Mm -hmm. ran away. She was trying to have a fucking gangbang. Mm Mm-hmm. And she got what she deserved, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, who comes up with this shit? Especially in the 60s, mm-hmm. too. Like, how can you be she so was foul? E- she was evil, yeah. Evil. The plan after this was to have her kids, John Jr. and Jenny, blindfold Sylvia and lead her out to the woods nearby, leaving her there to die. She was then force-fed crackers. But after denying the crackers, basically, telling 
the stupid bitch give it to the dog i don't want it she was also then beat again this time around her on her stomach area on october 25th sylvia attempted to escape after overhearing that they were going to drop her off in the woods to die but she was too weak and as she attempted to flee out of the front door she was grabbed by skeleton and forced to eat crackers again she was not able to eat anything at this point due to how bad the dehydration had gotten. She was repeatedly beat with a curtain rod across her face, causing the rod oh. to develop dents and bend into right angles. That douche Koi was there too, and he then grabbed the rod and struck Sylvia one more time. This time, Sylvia was given such a blow that it knocked her unconscious. She was then dragged back into the basement. At this point, Sylvia, stuck in the basement, gave herself another chance to try and escape by desperately trying to scream for help and hitting the walls of the basement with a spade, which is basically like a like a digging tool, like a mm -hmm. shovel. I didn't know what it was. I was like, what the hell is a spade? Mm -hmm. A neighbor next to the house informed police later on that she did hear commotion coming from the basement of the house. But when 3 a.m. came around and the noise stopped, she decided not to inform the police. She was like, oh, well, shrug. I'm going to go back to bed. <sighs> Even though you're hearing all this fucking commotion coming from the basement. Come on. Fucking ridiculous. Seriously. The morning of October 26th, Sylvia was no longer intelligible or able to move her limbs much anymore. Skelecon brought Sylvia up to the kitchen and propped her up against the wall, attempted to feed her a donut and milk. Due to Sylvia's inability to move on her own anymore in frustration, Skelecon just threw her to the floor and then put her back in the basement. She just, she was just fucking... So evil. Evil. As the day went on, they continued to act like Sylvia was full of shit and faking it all. Like, oh, you're fucking faking it. Right. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Trying to get her to recite the alphabet and to pick herself up. She literally couldn't pick herself up. She was losing her battle by the second as she eventually defecated on herself. Paula was there for all this and her foul mother was ordering Sylvia to clean herself. She was given a rotten pear to eat and she stated that she could feel the looseness in her teeth. John Jr. had gotten a hold of a hose and they used it to clean Sylvia. She desperately attempted to escape again, but just collapsed again. Skeleton came over and stomped on Sylvia's head as she stared down at her. A little while after 5.30 p.m., Stephanie is witnessed in the basement crying and cuddling Sylvia's emaciated and lacerated body. Stephanie, along with Richard Hobbs, gave Sylvia a warm bath with soap and dressed her in new clothes and laid her upon a mattress in one of the bedrooms. At this point, Sylvia was muttering her last words, Daddy was here. Even Stephanie at this point, seeing the condition that Sylvia is in, tries to convince her younger sister that Sylvia will be all right. So they were crying now after abusing her for mm -hmm. all that time. So now they want to create a cuddle. You know, fuck out of here. Like bro. she, she felt a little bad. What was happening? Like how after did you, months, right? Month. What did you now, think was gonna now happen? Now you have a conscience, and they're still completely like denying the fact that she's gonna die. They're like she's gonna be all right. What? All right, how? Is she going to get a new body tomorrow? What, right. are you, what are you fucking talking about? They literally physically broke her down. They broke her. Mentally, physically. Everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. This poor girl. And this was a human. Was left a fucking, I don't even know. She was just left a, like, like there was nothing left in her. Yeah. Mentally, physically, like her soul was yeah. just, it was gone. Yeah. It was gone. As Stephanie realized that Sylvia had stopped breathing, she tried to do mouth-to-mouth -mouth CPR while bitch-ass Skelecunt just shouted in the house to the kids that Sylvia was faking her death. Sylvia at this point had passed away at 16 years old. This piece of shit did not believe that Sylvia had passed away and she began beating the corpse with a book, yelling out, Faker, faker. As she panicked now, noticing that the child was really dead, she instructed Richard Hobbs to call the cops from a nearby payphone. When the cops arrived, she had the fucking nerve to lead them to Sylvia's body and turn over the letter she had forced Sylvia to write. She told the cops that Sylvia had ran away with some boys and had returned that day, bare-breasted and clutching the note. Foul. 
Paula kept showing her true colors while clutching a Bible and saying that Sylvia's death was meant to happen and inviting Jenny to officially move in with them and become their sister. I would be like, fuck out of here. How dare you? How fucking dare you? It's bad. Okay. Jenny had rehearsed versions of events fed to her by Skellicant, but she was able to then sneak in a whisper to one of the cops. You get me out of here and I'll tell you everything. Due to Jenny's statement, Skellicant, Paula, Stephanie, and John Jr. were arrested on suspicion of Sylvia's murder. Coy and Richard were also arrested. All were held without bail pending trial. Good. Skellicant then did what she did best and lied through her teeth, stating she barely had any involvement in Sylvia's death. She threw her own shitty children on the bus, admitting that Paula and Coy were the ones who had done most of the physical and emotional abuse. What a piece of shit, bro. She's great. She's a great mother. Both Paula and her brother, John Jr., admitted to the abuse they made Sylvia suffer through. Paula even admitted pushing Sylvia down the basement stairs two or three times. So to me, that means she was probably pushed down the stairs a fucking lot. Like, a lot. John Jr. admitted as well to mostly using his fist to abuse Sylvia. He then also confessed that his demon mother had also burned Sylvia repeatedly with cigarettes. A bunch of the kids that had been part of the humiliation and abuse of Sylvia were also detained. Since they were all children, they were then released to the parents. Fuck that. The deal was that they had to appear as witnesses in the upcoming trial. Regarding the autopsy, I'm going to issue another trigger warning. If you come this far, just as a courtesy, because it's, it's a lot. It's a fucking lot. This is two paragraphs grabbed right of Wikipedia. I couldn't get myself to chop it up, and I had to share the exact wording. The autopsy of Lycan's body reveals she has suffered in excess of 150 separate wounds across her entire body, in addition to being extremely emaciated at the time of her death. The wounds themselves varied in location, nature, severity, and the stage of healing. Her injuries included burns, severe bruising, and extensive muscle and nerve damage. Her vagina cavity was almost swollen shut. Moreover, all of Lycan's fingernails were broken backwards, and most of the external layers of skin upon the child's face, breast, neck, and right knee had peeled or receded. In her death throes, Lycan's had evidently bitten through her lips, partially severing sections of them from her face. That poor baby. The official cause of Lycan's death was listed by coroner Dr. Arthur Kebble as a subdural hematoma due to her receiving a severe blow to her right temple, both the shock She had primarily suffered due to the severe and prolonged damage inflicted to her skin and subcutaneous tissues, plus the severe malnutrition, were listed as contributory factors to her death. Rigor mortis had fully developed at the time of the discovery of her body, indicating lichens may have been deceased for up to eight hours before she was found. Although Dr. Kebble did note lichens had been recently bathed, possibly after death, and that this act could have hastened the loss of body temperature and thus sped the onset of rigor mortis. I don't even want to get into her funeral because it just makes me, like, it makes me fucking mad. Mm-hmm. It states over 100 mourners arrived and paid their respects, quote-unquote fucking respect. But all I can think of is where the fuck were you when this right. girl really fucking needed you? Right. When, they needed some, when she needed someone. Now you're there, now that she's dead. If I was her watching over them, you know, I have to get, I have to put my fucking two cents in stupidity. I would have made lightning start fucking dropping trees and shit on people. Seriously. <laughs> I'm taking you all out. I'd be fucking cursing them all out. Get the fuck out of my face. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. So to get back to all these terrible people that were at least now in custody, they made headlines for a while. And when the trial started, this case was known and is still known as one of Indiana's most terrible crimes. Skellica entered pleas of not guilty and not guilty by reason of insanity. But the prosecution argued that no evidence was 
was produced that indicated any of the of the defendants has suffered from any form of mental illness. Yeah, she's not no. insane. She's evil. She's There's a difference. fucking evil. Prosecution initially was seeking the death penalty for all five of them. Jenny was able to testify against all five defendants and being able to tell how they all repeatedly and extensively abused her sister. She explained how her sister had never done anything to provoke any of the defendants' behaviors and they were responsible for spreading rumors about Sylvia as well. She was able to share with the court how at some point Sylvia was so dehydrated that when she would cry, no tears would come out. There was a preacher who testified that he knew that there was a teenage girl being abused in the household. However, he must have thought the punishments were well-deserved due to Skelecon telling him that Sylvia had made advances to men for money. And not once did you question this. No, of course. She deserved it. <laughs> Unbelievable. A 13-year-old witness also testified they saw Sylvia getting salt rubbed into her sores on her legs until she screamed. The original demon creator, Skelecunt, never admitted during trial that she was responsible for Sylvia's suffering. She made sure to add that, apart from her house being a madhouse, she was too preoccupied with her own ill health and depression. She didn't have time to torture children, nor have other kids torture kids. Yeah, okay. Boo-hoo. How dare you point a finger at me? Typical narcissist. Mm-hmm. There was witnesses who overheard Paula on a church bus. A church bus. <laughs> bragging about... I tell you, all the demons go to church, bro. <laughs> That's why I don't fuck with church. Because you know what? If you're in church, you got some kind of face to save. Mm. So yeah, there was a witness who overheard Paula on a church bus bragging about breaking her own wrist on Sylvia's face. <laughs> she was very proud and even stated, I tried to kill her. And nobody her. reported this. Nobody None fucking of these reported good this. Christians yeah, right? reported this. Nobody fucking reported this. You know what? This. It doesn't matter how many fucking sermons you attend. Because of that, you are going to hell. <laughs> you pieces of shit. <laughs> right? In the end, Skelecunt was found guilty of first-degree murder. Paula was found guilty of second-degree murder. Both received life imprisonment. Richard Hobbs, Coy Hubbard, and John Jr. were found guilty of manslaughter and sentenced to 2 to 21 years in prison. I hope they got 21. <laughs> they deserved more. Oh, God damn. In September 1970, there was a request for a retrial and the Indiana Supreme Court reversed the convictions for Skelecunt and her shitty maggot daughter, Paula, due to the judge at the time denying repeatedly submitted motions by the defense counsel for a change of venue and separate trials because they were all tried together. Paula then pled guilty to voluntary ma manslaughter as she didn't want to go to retrial and was sentenced to serve a term of 2 to 20 years in prison. She attempted to escape prison twice in 1971, yet she was released from prison in 1972. Skelecunt? Her daughter, Paula. Oh, Skelecunt was still convicted of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison. She was then granted parole and released from prison on December 4th, 1985, so she only did 14 years. And people fought for her not to get parole too, but the pleas were unsuccessful in the end, so she only did 14 years for all she did. It states, within her parole hearing, Banizuski stated her wish that Lycan's death could be undone, although she minimized her responsibility for any of her actions, stating, I'm not sure what role I had in Lycan's death, because I was on drugs. I never really knew her. I take full responsibility for whatever happened to Sylvia. So it's like, first you say you don't remember, you didn't do anything, and then you say you take full responsibility. Right. Which right. one is it? Right. And they let her out on parole. Bitch literally blamed her actions on her meds. And guess what kind of meds? Asthma medication. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely does that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get super violent when I uh, take my asthma meds. Mm -hmm. That inhaler, you got to be careful. It's just, it just changes me. I mm -hmm. just, I beat my children when I take my asthma pump because it is just, it is just that powerful. 
She finally died of lung cancer at the age of 61 on June 16th, 1990. So at least she didn't live much no, longer. No, she lived five years. She lived too long. Way too long. Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have gotten out, period. She should have never gotten out. But, you Un- know. Fucking believable. I know. Paula lived out her life with a different identity and was eventually caught out and fired from a job she had for 14 years once they found out who she really was. Good. She was fired in 2012. She was a school counselor. What? The baby she gave birth to back when she was 17 was adopted back in 1966. Yep, she was a school counselor. A school counselor. Somebody this evil giving advice. To children. To children. I need to, I need to look that up. Stephanie's charges were dropped after she turned state's evidence against the other defendants. She lived out a regular life, and it said that the last place she was known to reside in was Florida. She became a school teacher. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Well, in Florida, you can be a murderer and have a daycare child care center. So <laughs> I'm actually not surprised, but wow. The younger kids then were placed in foster homes and eventually adopted. Marie Shelton died in 2017 at the age of 62. The baby Danny Lee Wright Jr., whose name was changed to Danny Lee White, died in 2012 at the age of 47. Richard, Coy, and John Jr. barely served two years of their sentence and were granted parole in 1968. Richard died of lung cancer in 1972 at the age of 21. you believe that? Well, they all died young. Why did... Why didn't they all like immediately die like Richard did? Yeah. He died at 21. Yeah, they should From lung cancer. That's crazy. You don't hear about that. No. They should have all fucking died that quick. Yeah, they definitely should have. Coy was repeatedly in and out of prison and was even charged with the murder of two other young men. He was acquitted of the charges due to some shady shit going on with one of the witnesses. He died of a heart attack at the age of 56 in 2007. A movie by the name An American Crime outed him because he never changed his name and he was fired from his job that same year. Good. So he was fired and he died of a heart attack in 2007. Fantastic. John Jr. became a lay minister and hosted counseling sessions for the children of divorced parents. Another one. Why are these fucked up people around so many children? That's really concerning. That's scary, yeah. That's really fucking concerning. And you're choosing helping professions when you're clearly evil. It's really weird, actually. He did release a statement decades after being released from prison admitting that they should have been sentenced to a more severe term of punishment. Yeah, you think? but that he had become a productive citizen. He is also dead, died of diabetes at the age of 52 in 2005. He lived too long. Most of the people involved in this horrible crime, whether as victims or perpetrators, have died. Jenny lived out her life, married, and had two kids. She was dependent on anxiety meds due to all the trauma she endured. She died of a heart attack in 2004 at the age of 54. Damn. The Lycan parents died in 1998, the mom died in 1998, and the dad died in 2013. What did they have to say about all of this? What does a parent have to say? From what I read, you know, the the father was basically like a shell of a man in the courtroom and the mother was just so distraught, so distraught, so much crying and so just so much pain, you know? Yeah. It's too late. Yeah. They couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. She was gone. It's just fucked, man. The house laid vacant for a long time and became dilapidated, but it was eventually demolished in 2009, and it is now a church parking lot, out of all things. <laughs> right. There is a six-foot-tall granite memorial dedicated to Sylvia in Willard Park, Washington Street, Indianapolis. The memorial states, This memorial is in memory of a young child who died a tragic death. As a result, laws changed and awareness increased. This is a commitment to our children that Indianapolis Police Department is working to make this a safe city for our children. I also took this last part right out of Wikipedia. The Sylvia's Child Advocacy Center is officially dedicated to the memory of Sylvia Likens, founded in 2010 in Lebanon, 
Indiana, and initially named the Boone County Child Advocacy Center. This nonprofit organization was renamed in Lycan's honor in 2016, with the executive director stating, the most important thing that we can do is tell kids they are hurt and we are listening. This was something no one did for young Sylvia. Her family is thankful though, it doesn't have to be that way anymore. She did not die in vain, she died a horrific death, but because of that, we're hoping that another child can be saved. This Child Advocacy Center was formed with the objective to assist child victims of abuse and neglect to minimize the ongoing traumatic effect experienced as a result of their ordeal and to undertake a relentless pursuit to prevent child abuse in both Boone and Montgomery counties. Professionals at Sylvia's Child Advocacy Center work in concert with both law enforcement and the local Department of Child Services. Staff also conduct forensic interviews and provide assistance with legal procedures as well as mental and medical health referrals. There are a couple of movies, the 2007 film An American Crime, which is directly based on the brutal true crime story, and The Girl Next Door, also released in 2007, is loosely based on this true crime story as well. And that's all I got. Very sad. Very, very fucking tragic. Yeah. I just, this story really broke me. It really did. It just, I just, I, I don't know how. Yeah. How no. this happens. No. And I can tell you, coming from, from an abusive household and people watched what I went through, mm-hmm. nobody ever reported it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't nearly go through as much abuse as this girl did. Mm-hmm. So if she had no hope, what kind of fucking hope did I have? Right. Crazy. Right. And it's good that it, I, you know, mine didn't get so, so tremendously, so close to death that I would have fucking died too. Mm-hmm. It's no fucking hope. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I think that what she went through was just really sad, you know, and the fact that there were so many, like usual, there's just so many opportunities for intervention that people just did not take. Exactly. You know. Exactly. And it's sad. Yep. So I'm going to leave that like that. Thank you. If you're still listening, please uh, report anything if you ever see it. Yes. Please don't don't let children suffer. It's not fair. Let's... uh. Let's not make this world more fucking hellish than it already is. Right. I'm fucking, I want to punch people in the face. Yeah, me too. <laughs> fucking do, I swear. Me too. Ugh. People are evil. Well, to lighten the mood a little bit, I guess you can follow us on Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Well, yeah, just follow us, like us, subscribe to us. Do all that that nice stuff. Stay Comments. consistent. Let Comments. us know how we're doing. We yeah, like feedback. Why not? Let us know. You could you could DM us on Instagram. That's DM us the, on Instagram if there's a story the you want us to talk about yeah. or anything like that. Let us let us know. That'd be the best way to to reach us. I think yeah. right now on Instagram, if you wanna yes get in touch with us. So you could you could find us on Linktree with all our links to yes. uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Instagram. So yep, pretty easy to get there. Yep. Thanks for listening. We will catch you on the next one. Bye. Bye.